Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Quantum Heart Cafe. I hope everyone has had a wonderful week so far and a wonderful weekend and uh, sitting or you're comfortable in your home and surrounded by loved ones and uh, just having a heartfelt day. I am pretty, ex I am excited about this show. I'm going to be talking about or going, giving my thoughts on a book called The World Sensorium. The Social Embryology of World Federation, 1946. And it was written by a man named Oliver L. Reiser. He, and I, I should have done a little more history or, or kind of dived into his history because I feel like that would be important. And I think what I'll do, because I'm, I'm going to, with this book, I'm going to do a, a two-part or two-part uh, series, maybe a three-part series, depending on how far I get. How if I if I'm able to finish the book next week? Because I I don't like rushing reading a book. Like I want to be able to take notes and uh, do my best to understand what the author is talking about. Uh, so next for next show or the following show, I will definitely look a bit more into his background. Uh, Oliver Reiser's background and share that uh, share a bit of that in the show and maybe that's what I'll do uh, in the in the future when I'm talking about a book is just to give a little bit of a background of the author and it's um, something that I'd be interested in because it's because maybe that's why understanding where that person or who that person is kind of helps to understand where they're coming from as a as a writer and what their ideas are. And but before I get into his book, I do want to give a moment of gratitude. I am grateful that I've started learning to be, become a little more disciplined with my goals and um, with what it is I want to accomplish uh, in my lifetime. And because yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty good at procrastinating. I've always well not always been a procrastinator, but I I can. You know, given the right circumstances, uh, spend a lot of time putting things on the back burner, and I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, nothing gets done when I do that. So I end up feeling bad as well. And I'm just grateful that uh, I'm being a little more disciplined and, you know, getting off my derriere to go pursue uh, my dreams and hobbies. And for tonight's show I'm, I'm drinking uh, a cup of mocha java coffee that I received for uh, Christmas as a gift and it's a nice cup of coffee it really does when I drink it it puts me in mind of being in a, a nice coffee shop with some nice uh, background music maybe a little bit of jazz it's just a very relaxing drink of or a cup of coffee to drink so I'm pretty grateful for that so um, like I said, tonight's show, I'm going to be talking about a book uh, by Oliver L. Reiser, The World Sensorium, The Social Embryology of a World of World Federation, 1946. And it's a book that I often hear Alison McDowell talk about during her presentations when she's sharing her research on uh, what she's found or the latest, which, uh, the latest topics that she's been covering on blockchain and uh, Web 
uh, social impact investing or social social impact uh, finance and so on, uh, which is really the lead up and the backbone to this human 2.0 or human plus world that they want to push us all in or push us all towards. And uh, and what this book is, as I've been reading it, and I can understand why Allison uh, often recommends it because it's sort of the ideology behind why they're doing it. Like why are they, like why they're pushing everyone towards this human plus world. And it's not just humans, but it's also like trees and other beings. So really it's probably a, a life 2.0 or a life plus world that they want to build. And the ideology behind that is that they, or what Oliver L. Reiser talks about is creating this world being or this world brain where there's this this planetary unity of thoughts and consciousness, but it's thoughts and consciousness that will be controlled by the best and brightest of the elite. So it would be, I mean, it's more of the same garbage where where you have like this, you know, self-proclaimed elite who think that they know what's best for everybody and they are the ones to guide humanity in a certain direction. And even in the book, because I, I kind of had a suspicion that this was also, I mean, it was written in 1946, so it was right around the time of National Socialism. But I wanted to also include that before National Socialism, before the National Socialism really got going uh, with the World War II and so on, the kindling for that type of thinking was already in place when uh edward um oh charles darwin's brother uh man i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he was the one who talked about eugenics like charles darwin talked about evolution um biological evolution and of course darwinism but his brother talked about eugenics where there was an agenda to you know make human beings pure and then that's where you have like the in the national socialism socialism ideology, like the idea of the Aryan Aryan race or Aryan race, whatever you call that, uh, and part of that's in here too. Like it, he does talk a bit about uh, because in a in a and during the beginning of the book, uh, he talked about the need for a universal language, a language that everyone can speak and everyone can understand. And then he gave the example of how, uh, say for English, like you know, a German or and a, a British person, they can kind of understand each other when they're speaking English. Like they might have different dialects or they might have different sayings and, or idioms, but there's a base that they, there's a kind of like a base language that they use to understand each other. Like, <clears throat> I can't remember if it was English or German that he was talking about, but he gave the example of like the Aryan race being able to have or having a common common language where they can understand each other. And <clears throat> that was kind of a red flag for me because under this world 
unity like who what are they going to who are they going to model the unit like as i was reading this book like i kept thinking like who like which culture and what what culture and what language and what um values and beliefs are going to be the dominant world beliefs that he's talking about like who are they going to pick because the idea behind this world sensorium is that uh, excuse me individual um individual cultures and individual kind of ways of being will be uh kind of subsumed or they will be made subordinate to this world brain um and what will happen is that the world brain this world sensorium or this this world unity that oliver reiser talks about uh will uh dominate individual cultures like i don't think they'll disappear per se like i think even in the book he's saying that it's okay to let them still exist so long as they um remain subordinate or submit to the world brain and you know sometimes in the resistance or the so-called resistance i hear stuff about like communism or socialism or like these isms even capitalism and what's going on is really it's not it's really a blend of all those things it's not really one or the other and even in the first part half of the book oliver riser does talk about a little bit about communism um because he does talk about uh, karl marx and how the the workers are going to unite and overflow or sorry not overflow but overthrow the you know or sorry take control of the reins of production and so on but that's not what he's really talking about what he's talking about is uh is this the what he's talking about is achieving the world brain or achieving this world unity through the use of uh, scientific humanism or scientific um yeah scientific humanism and which will be you and that what that means is that the use of the latest scientific theories especially uh, experiential biology or another word for it is the morphic morphogenic morphic morphogenic ah, the morphic fields, I'm just going to call them morphic fields. Um, the use of morphic fields to uh, evolve human beings or to take human beings through this embryonic uh, process of giving birth to the world sensorium. Like, I'm telling you, like, this is, I know it sounds, what I'm talking about kind of sounds weird. And it's easy to dismiss what's this was writing what the book is talking about as like uh thoughts of a madman the danger of doing that though is seeing is is missing how uh because this stuff has been around for a while like this was written this was from 1946 so they've been working on 
this world sensorium or life 2.0 for quite a while. And these people believe it. I mean, and they believe the same sort of ideology that Oliver L. Reiser believes. And that is that human beings are going to be uh, evolving to this inevitable or the evolution towards human 2.0 is inevitable. And that this work does move towards a world brain it, or this world unity or this world government, if you want to call it that as well, is inevitable. So I wouldn't dismiss this as ramblings of a mad person. I would actually start taking this seriously and start taking their ideology seriously uh, because this is important. Like it, And again, it's not communism. And, and even then, he also talks a little bit about capitalism and how you know, the capitalists, they love their their material possessions, but they don't like the process, whereas scientific humanists, um, they they prefer the process even more and not so much the product. And what's going what's what the powers that shouldn't be are trying to put in place is really it's this cybernetic world, it's this systems it's systems thinking, is creating this system. <clears throat> that serves this world brain and where the individual, uh, whether it's a community or a person or an individual culture, uh, becomes subordinate to this dominant world brain. And I, what's really interesting is that if actually, I think it was one of the first shows I did where I talked about Madeline Ingalls book, of, uh, a wrinkle in time, because in the book, uh, uh, the protagonists, uh, Meg, Charles, Wallace, and Calvin, uh, along with a few guardian angels, I think they're guardian angels, but they're these light-sided entities that decide to help the children uh, rescue their father from this world brain, uh, which, is, which has taken over a planet and completely taken over the thoughts and consciences or conscience of the people living there. And so you know, everyone is doing everything in unity. Like the kids are, I remember in the story, the kids were supposed to bounce a ball a certain way. And if they deviated from bouncing that ball a certain way, they were punished or they were take, they, they had to get corrective. They're taken in for like corrective action or, or something. So everything was the same. Everything was part of a process. Everything was a unity. There was no, like, there was no kind of, uh, freedom or if there was a freedom it still was subordinate to this world brain and so I think that's I don't know how she knew that maybe she also read the world sensorium and decided to write a story trying to warn people about it um, <clears throat> so but uh, it's amazing how that that world brain that world idea is actually trying to manifest right now and so it's a so the, the and so the it's not so much a communism capitalism or anything like that it's a systemic systems thinking it's a a scientific humanism that is going to use the cutting edge science like he's he, in the the beginning of the book he also kind of uh, distinguishes between the old physics and the old sort of science which is like the new Newtonian uh, and the Aristotle, Aristotle's sort of science, 
versus this new science that is going to be used to manifest the world brain. <clears throat> and I think the new science that he's talking about is stuff like quantum physics, nuclear physics, and, and stuff that's more on the cutting edge where they re they recognize um, and study conscience consciousness because what Oliver Reiser writes about is human beings evolving to a higher conscience, which is this world brain that the elite would then want to control. Um, and 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 also too, they have been the powers that shouldn't be have been studying consciousness consciousness for a long time like they uh the way they've done this a lot of this study a lot of these studies in psychiatric facilities one of the most notable in canada is the wayburn institute or sorry the wayburn mental hospital uh that was located i think I have to double check and I'll I'll correct myself for the next show if I get this wrong. But I think it was maybe Alberta or Saskatchewan that the Weyburn Institute was located. And there was a scientist that uh, worked there, a very notable scientist named Humphrey Osmond. And uh, again, if I mispronounce his name, I'll, I'll correct it in the next show. Uh, and he was he was studying psychedelics actually he was the he was the one to coin the word psychedelic uh and he was doing lsd experiments on patients there and studying consciousness and they've the powers that shouldn't be have been studying consciousness for a long time and that's what oliver reiser is talking about in the first part of the book is is that evolution to a higher conscience world being that he wants to kind of push us all towards uh and he you know he thinks that it's like this inevitable inevitability that we get there and he wants to use experiential uh bio evolution and the morphic fields which if you're not i don't know if you're familiar with rupert sheldrake's work if you're not then i'll give a quick definition of morphic fields so from what I understand, a morphic field, so whenever something happens in nature, uh, or just in the world, actually doesn't even have to be nature, it could be an idea too. But whenever a new idea is proposed or it happens in one part of the world, the probability that it go that it can happen in another part of the world goes up. Uh, an example would be calculus. Like Isaac Newton was the, was not the only person working on calculus. And I think that calculus is even older than than what Isaac Newton was working on. Uh, but you know, at the time that he was working on this calculus, some other people were working on it too. He just kind of, it's like he kind of got to the patent office first or something. Like there's a joke there, but um, during that time, there were multiple people working on calculus at the same time. Uh, he just happened to get to the, the noter. Uh, the notoriety, notoriety, a bit, a bit faster than the other guys. Um, so it's like if someone's working on calculus in one part of the world, and the chances of someone else working on the same sort of calculus in a different part of the world goes up. So I, I hope that makes sense. But it's just like when 
when something the problem when something happens once the probability that it'll happen again goes up and it's almost like it, what happens in nature like nature has this memory so whenever something happens she remembers and if it's something that is maybe beneficial or or what have you then that trait or that idea or that invention um could occur again so that was at least that's from what i understood reading because i've read one of rupert sheldrake's books uh and that was kind of my understanding of how morphic fields work and so I think they want to study, or Oliver L. Riser wants to use that towards uh, helping human beings evolve, well, not helping, but pushing, forcing human beings to evolve towards this higher unity and world brain where all individual cultures and all individual languages become subordinate to it. And there's a, so there's this, and, and it's, and it or and there's this a universal language, a unity um of thoughts and feelings, and just my own thoughts is like that's not how the world works, like the world works on diversity, you know, like you don't have a a tree, one tree being a world brain like you have in a forest, like a forest is a community of trees, just like the world or a city is a community of human beings and you know, they're not really subordinate to this world brain. And there is a world or, or a collective unconscious, but, you know, that's more of like a natural collective unconscious, kind of like how in some of the books I've been reading on Line Deloria Jr.'s work, it's like there's a, a, a time behind the chronological time that we're used to. Right, and that's where synchronicities live. Uh, but what this world brain and this, or this striving towards this world brain, it's like Oliver Reiser is suggesting that the world elite control this world brain and control the uh, collective unconscious of human beings so that they can evolve us towards this human plus or human 2.0. And it's part of this scientific humanism that he talks about in the book. And you kind of have seen some of that already in modern day. I mean, what's going on is bigger than just the health event that we went through over the last couple of years. But that could be an example of how scientific or how scientific humanism is going to be used to push us towards this uh this human 2.0 world, just like how uh, digital ID, blockchain, and Web3 is going to be used to push us towards this two point human plus 2.0 with the use of data and scientific experts and scientific humanism creating this sort of cybernetic systems thinking world. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, that was the first half of the book. There's a bit more involved. Uh, I'll try. I think I can include that in the next show, because uh, he does in one of one of the chapters. He does talk about um, the kind of the characteristics of a scientific 
humanist and uh, i can read those out for the next show because or include i'll include a part of that next show because i think it's really important and you know i can help kind of keep an eye out for that stuff because even though this book was writ written at, i guess it was written in 1946 uh even though it was written that during that time the powers that should be have been long at work making this vision come true of this world brain so i feel like by reading this book and paying attention to what's unfolding in this in modern time and present time it's like there's a link between what he wrote in the book about the world brain and what's unfolding now and i think that's really important and so maybe if i read the that list of scientific humanist uh values or the the leaders of the scientific humanism that Oliver L. Reiser envisions, then maybe you could watch for this in your own communities. Because I will say this, he does talk about how um while this is a global F like a global brain, it does need to roll out on the local level. And we're seeing that now. Like I know, you know, people talk about Davos and you know, Davos has its place. It's, I'm not saying that's not important. What I'm saying is that what often gets missed is the local part. It's like how this smart cities and the rollout of, you know, 5G in our communities and so on, like all this stuff, the edu tech, the data analytics, like all this is being rolled out on the local level through municipalities, school boards, and public-private partnerships. Uh, so that he does kind of talk about that in the book, how this is a global effort, but it takes leaders in all communities or in local communities to bring it to fruition. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. Uh, and I don't think the, you know, the so-called resistance or whatever talks about it uh, enough. But that's an important aspect too. It's like, and he even taught, because in the book, there is a little bit of um, esoteric stuff in there as well, because he does talk about the relationship between the macro and the micro. So it's kind of like how the, the big picture, the big overview world is connected to uh, us as individuals and vice versa. So it's kind of like, um, I'm part of, I'm part of the world and the world is part of me. So when I when my thought forms and when my ideas and so on, when I think those things, they also become part of the world, if that makes sense. And so he talks about that in the book as well. So like the global is part of the local and the local is part of the glo glo the global. And and I think that's important that kind of to keep in mind. I don't know if that gets talked about a lot um and then the, the other key takeaway too i think i kind of talked about it a little bit already is how like as i was reading this book it's just you know i just thought about how poorly equipped i i am to deal with what's going on because he talks about um how even like the hard sciences and the the physics of the pat like the physics that were taught in the past, like um that Aristotle Aristotle was talking about and like the the atom and so on. Like that's he talks about how that's not enough to 
that that science is almost like it's almost he talks about that science in a way that's almost makes it sounds outdated and that the science that they're using to manifest or to attempt to manifest i don't think they're going to succeed but succeed but this the science that they're going to use to to attempt this manifestation of the world brain is more of the the quantum level the nuclear physics level so for me this just this just rides home the the fact that i'm probably going to be devoting more of my intellectual free time towards trying to understand that type of science and i think i'll include it in the show too uh because i think it's i think that it is important and you know i mean i'd encourage if you're listening to this i'd encourage you to also maybe read read up on some quantum physics or or listen to audiobooks that's another one uh but read up on some quantum physics and you know nuclear science and so on because i feel like that it's almost like what's happening now is like a manhattan type project or maybe it is the continuation of the manhattan project and that's something that even Alison McDowell has talked about in her uh, presentations that what's going on is like an, a continuation of the Manhattan Project and that it didn't really stop after the bombings of Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki. Uh, apologies if I pronounced that wrong. Um, it didn't stop when the two bombs fell. It, it kept going, but now the the manhattan project is us and like how to get us to evolve towards this human plus a human 2.0 society that's run by uh a cybernetics or or run by this world brain if you will so that was kind of like the part the first part of the book i will include um i will continue to do or to include more material in the second part, uh, in part two for next week, as well as uh, give a bit of a history about who Oliver Reiser was and who his contemporaries were, because he does talk a little bit about Julian Julian Huxley, who was uh, Aldous Huxley's brother, and I think that's also important to explore. So I will be including those in the following uh episodes and but with that i don't think uh, i need to go on a bit further because i think that what i just talked about captures the heart of the first half of the book uh the world sensorium and again i highly recommend people read this uh, i found it on amazon i know i always talk about buying books locally i couldn't find it locally i had to buy it on evil incorporated <laughs> so uh, thank you all for coming by the the Quantum Heart Cafe, and I hope everyone has uh, continues to have a wonderful weekend and a heartfelt week. And uh, thanks for stopping by. Okay, bye bye. <laughs>